Ahoy, ladies and gentlemen. This is Matt Frazier of Nomi Athlete Radio on a cruise live from the holistic holiday at sea cruise. You can hear in the background all the goings on of the ship. There it is, honk the horn again. <laughs> You'd think they could wait to, for a better time, but oh man. Okay, so <laughs> anyway, this is uh, this is a miracle of modern technology. We're doing this from from uh, who knows where. Deep at sea. Deep at sea. Doug is here too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that might have given us away. Um, so this is not really on the cruise, but I'm on the cruise right now as you're listening to this, but we uh, decided to pre-record something just so as not to interrupt the no. flow of episodes. And Or your suntan, we can't. Or Right. I won't have any time, of course, to, to do something as, as pedestrian as a podcast while I'm right. tanning. So um, <laughs> anyway, we've got an interview today. With David Clark, who uh, is a, a, an ultra runner, it sounds like he's done a lot of ultra running stuff since then. He he used the journey to, to run the Leadville Hundred uh, as part of a recovery from addiction and a super low point in his life. Not unlike uh, our friend Rich Roll's story, it seems like mm-hmm. uh, it happened that David. Although I don't think this is like a part of David's story, the way it is a part of Rich's story. Uh, David is also vegan, which we didn't really realize until during the interview with him right because <laughs> uh, he, he had told us before that his, that when he when he pitched us to be on he said he said that our story or our, our topic resonated with him or hit home or something so i sense maybe he was but uh i think you know i think more his story really is about ultra running and if you look at the the blurbs and endorsements on his books they're from or on his book they're from um serious ultra runners dean carnassus uh, charlie engel marshall Ulrich, and some others who you've probably heard of but i have not uh, so I think I guess that's more of his story angle is that he's he's about ultra running. It'd be more than he's about being vegan, but he happens to also be vegan. Um, so it's it's a good interview. It's inspiring. Uh, funny that he led by one hundred was his goal big thing when we had just interviewed Jeffrey Benny, Benny. yeah, mm-hmm. uh, two weeks before that or a week before that or something, and uh, he was also going for the Leadville hundred as he's making that documentary, right. Uh, once is enough, I believe is the name of that one. Yep. So, um, so this will be good. I mean, it, it's it's a good interview. It's a nice story about that. And I don't know anything else to add there. I mean, ultra running Leadville is that is that people want to do Leadville. It seems people like that race. Yeah. Is that because it's in Born to Run. You know. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's honestly that's kind of where I first heard about Leadville. Yeah. Is where I learned a lot about ultra running in general. Um, and so there's a little bit of an appeal to it there. And, you know, I think uh, for for Jeff anyway, and maybe for David as well, up until this year, you didn't have to qualify for Leadville. Anyone could mm-hmm. sign up. So I think that that might be a little bit of an appeal right. too. Was it not even a lottery system? Was it just not enough yeah, people just, wanted to do it? No, I think I think it sold out in a matter of hours or whatever. But it, uh, yeah, it was just kind of, it opened it. up and and anyone could, could sign up for it. I don't understand why anybody would do Leadville. That, that to me seems... As much as Western States does not excite me, mm-hmm. just because I'm just not that into, like, mountains. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather run on flat. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, but that one, what, it starts at 14,000 feet and ends at 14,000 feet and has ups and downs? No, it starts at, like, 11,000 feet. Okay. And climbs over Hope's Pass, which is 
somewhere around 14,000. Okay. And then it comes back. It's out and back, right? Yep. And then you go down the other side of Hope's Pass. And then you have to climb back up, oh. back up over the mountain <laughs> and back down. But for me, it's not... Uh, I do know a few people who have run it and they enjoyed it. But it, for some reason, um, you know, it's really just one massive climb that you right. do a couple oh, different that's times. miserable. And, yeah. So, I mean, whereas for me, Western States is, is kind of my dream race. Right. Which has... I don't think it ever gets anywhere close to 14,000 but it, you know it's way plenty up there of climbing. and Absolutely. plenty of Lots climbing of them, right? yeah um and hmm. for me that one just seems way more appealing than the out and back of a hundred miler with one massive mountain yeah it does that doesn't seem fun at all <laughs> my friend who i went and got a beer with the day you were running mount mitchell because they, they had come from maryland and run it right um one of the guys there who i've run with before he did western states in between now and when i moved or when I yeah moved here, so um, hmm. I think he's finished in under under twenty nine hours or something, which would seem nice. to me as as a good time. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know, but I would imagine that I ran twenty nine hours in in Ohio, and, and that seemed really hard. <laughs> yeah. So to do that at Western States seemed seemed I don't know. Yeah, no, that crazy. that's big. But I, you know, the Leadville does have all the history that um, same as Western States, but you know, I think a lot of people are drawn to the history of Leadville that. You know, something like Burning River or Massanutten doesn't have. Right. Our hundreds. Burning River has the river story of the river that was on fire because it was so polluted. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good history. Uh, Yeah, good. Great history. (laughs) It sounds like out of like a Parks and Recreation episode. The town is so terrible. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? Um, So is is sitcoms or, you know, ABC sitcoms or whatever, NBC sitcoms going to be our new Leo about It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Because as much as I'm pride myself on not being a TV watcher, mm-hmm. I get sucked into uh, watching old seasons of those. I'm actually Parks and Recreation. I, so I watched The Office. I went through that whole thing three times, their whole series. Wow. And I, like, I don't watch I, – I intentionally do not watch – like someone tells me Breaking Bad is good. I'm not watching it. I don't, I don't want to get started on those things. Like I have mm-hmm. no reason to want to get roped into that okay. at all. So I do not go it's actively so – <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> I do not actively go after shows. Um but yeah, I finished the office and I couldn't do it again, so I I started Parks and Recreation. Yeah, both just classic shows. I know they're just so good. Yeah, I just watch them and I just relax. And they're they're feel good shows. One thing one thing that I will say about that versus now not to get on a tangent on television, <laughs> but, you know, because we don't watch a lot of television either. But there are a few things like Breaking Bad. I have watched all of that, and it just it doesn't leave you feeling good. Or right now we're watching House of Cards. It, you know, when when it's over, you right. don't you don't feel good about yourself. But The Office or, or Parks yeah, and Rec. Yeah, these lovable yeah. characters. Yeah, and exactly. Great fantasy yeah. world for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm into that. Um, yeah, okay. So so that's it. You guys in your mountain runs. I think uh, I think Badwater would be way better. <laughs> I mean, I know it still has its share of, of climbing, especially at the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I like running on roads a lot. And I think Badwater, a nice flat thing, not a lot of turns. You can just see miles ahead of you. No big surprises. Sounds terrible. See, that sounds so miserable to that me. That seems like my kind of race. In the heat? Gosh, it just sounds... I, like, I don't know. That seems like the fun part. I, I'd rather have a heat than, than those hills. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to Badwater. I don't know what 120 degree heat no, feels like. you have no idea. It's going to be miserable. You're going to hate yourself. <laughs> I talked to Rich Roll about it one time, and he said... He was like, even at nighttime, you step out of a restaurant, and it was like you just get hit in the face with this heat. Mm-hmm. But like, he, I don't know. He didn't say like it was just the worst thing in the world. Yeah, because he did 
five Ironmans in <laughs> five did, days. <laughs> he did say that he was just jogging along and his heart rate was like soaring through the roof. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you can learn to deal with that though. I don't know. Anyway, I, that's I would do that before I did those other ones. Yeah, I do hope you do do that. I know that that's I do too. One day, I, we'll see. We I'm, shall see. I'm gonna be the guy with the spray fan, the spraying water, you know, <laughs> okay. the fan right in front of you. Good, <laughs> good. All right. Um, so enough of this nonsense. Let's get to the interview with David Clark, and hope you enjoy it. I'll be back from the cruise. We'll talk about that next time. All right. And uh, we'll talk about your your race. Sounds great. Bon voyage. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Hey, we're here with David Clark, the author of Out There, A Story of Ultra Recovery. And uh, we're going to share today David's story, a pretty neat story, if you ask me, of... uh, Going from you know a very very low point, overweight, addicted, uh, broke it sounds like to kind of putting everything back together with the help of of ultra running. Maybe maybe beginning with ultra running. So David, first of all, thank you for being here. Glad to be here. Good. And then uh, I, I'd like to to just hear your story, kind of the you know the two or three minute version that that will give people uh, in a nutshell of what what you're all about, what your book's about, and uh, and kind of guide the rest of our conversation. Do you say two or three minutes or two or three hours? <laughs> yeah. Minutes if yeah. you can. <laughs> well, you know, like all of us, you know, I've, I've had a, an interesting journey and uh, battled some demons along the way. And uh, mine are maybe a little more extreme than the average person. But uh, <laughs> I started out, you know, not being a, a very healthy person, uh, at least being an active athlete early in life. And, you know, but I did enough to kind of keep in shape and just kind of really fell off the wagon, you know, in my early 20s, late teens and ended up just, uh, you know, eating recklessly. Anything I could do to kind of, you know, comfort myself, you know, food became alcohol, became drugs, became anything I could do to kind of, you know, medicate myself away from the world. And I had a uh, less than conventional childhood. You know, I grew up in kind of hard circumstances, bouncing all over the country and Later in life, when I finally set roots down in Colorado, I went about the business of, of trying to integrate into society as, as I saw it. And for me, that was, you know, going to college and, and building a business. And um, I was, you know, relatively successful at a young age. At 29, I owned a chain of retail stores and, you know, had a lot of employees and a lot of money and a lot of responsibilities. And that uh, that just got me kind of farther off track. You'd think that maybe that might... Uh, ground me a little bit, but it, it did the opposite. It, it made me feel even more lost. And, you know, I really just got uh, mucked down in, in the addiction side of things and got into a very, very, very dark place. And, you know, I was uh, drinking a bottle of scotch a day, painkillers, fast food, you name it, you name it. So mm-hmm. eventually somewhere along the line, I, uh, uh, you know, everything kind of crumbled down around me and, and fell apart. And I went about the business of trying to redefine my entire life and my entire way of looking at the world and my physical body, my spiritual body, all that kind of stuff. And running just kind of um, almost found me in a way. Um, I couldn't think of anything more horrible or impossible sounding than running. <laughs> I mean, I was 320 pounds, you know, and but the fact that it seemed so daunting and so kind of impossible, but, but it was really... Um, you know, it was really appealing to me. I liked that picture of that, that athlete, that running person that could just run and, and go out and kind of, you know, leave the front door and, and run for hours for some reason was just appealing to me. So I, 
I tried to do that and uh, I went on a journey to find that. And it took me lots of different places and eventually to here. You know, I've done a lot of ultra marathons and I'm a vegan. And looking back, it's kind of hard to imagine how I got here, but somehow I'm here. Okay, good. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, about if you were vegan or not because you mentioned to us uh, when you first got in touch that, that our, our topic kind of hit home for you. Uh, but I didn't see that in, in your bio or anything, so I was, I was not sure about that. But that, that's cool. Did, did that happen? Is it kind of like a ritual story where you, I mean, you hit this addiction point and you realize all at once that all this stuff needs to change and then you said, yeah, diet, exercise, everything's changing at once? You know, I did, it, it kind of happened organically. You know, I didn't switch all at once and, and become a vegan. That kind of happened along the way. Um, I did change my diet dramatically, obviously, and, and became um, – you know, it was really kind of almost paleo in a way before I even knew what that was. You know, I was eating lots of lean meats and vegetables, and, and that's the way I ate for the first couple years of my journey, and I lost a lot of weight doing that, and I was kind of figuring out the running thing. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I talk about this in my book that I kind of spent the first two years of my journey what we call white-knuckling it, you know, and, and I wasn't drinking, and I wasn't using, and I, was, I found running, but... I hadn't really found that real peaceful place yet. And, you know, it, that really happened when I got injured and I, and I had to get surgery. I had spinal surgery. I had two herniated discs. And I had to kind of come to grips with what would happen if I couldn't run anymore and what that would mean to my recovery and to everything. And it was at that time that I made a, a, the next level of the breakthrough. And I became dedicated to training, not just to run recreationally, but to see how far I could go and how fast I could go. And, what kind of an athlete I could become. And, and part of that was my nutrition. And I decided to give the uh, vegan thing a shot, you know, really kind of on a dare, <laughs> you know, try it for 30 days and see how it worked. <laughs> and it was such an amazing result to me that it's been four and a half plus years now and or five years. And I've never looked back and you know, I just felt lighter and quicker and I was recovering faster and it was just great. Yeah. It's amazing how many, how many, Ultra runners say that exact same thing, and and how the perception is the total opposite. You know that that when when you talk to someone on the street and tell them, they say, "Well, how do you possibly do that if you're a vegan?" Right. So it's it's just funny that that, and I guess that is slowly changing. I hope, uh, but who knows? Yeah, I had a friend recently tell me like I had a a, a pretty good PR last year in a hundred mile race, and I came in second. And my friend was like, "Wow, man, that's great. I, I'd love to see what you could do if you ate meat." <laughs> yeah i'm like yeah okay whatever <laughs> so it sounds like you didn't you didn't jump straight into running ultras and kind of this extreme long distance take, take us back to that transition and for someone who is maybe listening to this who is overweight or struggling with something like an addiction um you know what was that transition like for you to start running and to start what was that path like i guess to ultra marathons yeah it was you know for me it was you know, I tried to change my life in the, previously by changing my behaviors. You know, I think that's kind of like what we all do. You know, we we say I'm going to, you know, start going to the gym or I'm going to start eating healthier. And it's this kind of outside in process. And that never worked for me. And, and, and I don't honestly think it really works long term for anyone because you eventually go back to the way you were before you you, if you don't change your image, you go, why am I doing all this stuff? Why am I forcing myself to run and eat this, this food when who I really am is the fat guy, right? Mm -hmm. So it's temporary. So this time around, I, I really wanted to go about kind of deconstructing how I saw myself and, and I wanted to create a, a better version of me and something that was appealing and something where the, the emotional stakes were high. And 
So I, I did that. I mean, that that's the really big key is, you know, when we look at ourselves as someone who's a fat person, for example, and then we try to change the way we eat, it's not going to work. So I started seeing myself as someone who had become fat, you know, someone who had become unhealthy, but that's not necessarily who I was supposed to be. So I went about systematically only engaging in behaviors and activities that supported this new kind of image of, of who I was. And, you know, I think that's really the first step of the process for anyone who's trying to get going is, you know, willpower is important and it carries you through those gaps. But the first thing we have to do is start seeing ourselves differently. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you tried a thousand times and failed because I did. You know, it's it just takes that one time of getting it right and, and getting some momentum going and, and everything can change. And did you? I was reading in, in your I guess it was your bio on your website somewhere. Uh, and it said you got to a point where you said I realized or he realized that he was going to die if he didn't change this very day. Was there yeah. was there like a single turning point when all of a sudden you like a, a traumatic event that happened and you said, well, that's that's it. Now it has to be this other way. Or was it just it was just you woke up one day and said, I, I need to change. Yeah, it was exactly that. You know, I mean, I think, you know, the Hollywood script of it is that, you know, you almost kill someone or you wake up in jail and, you know, or a doctor tells you you're going to die and that's when you change. And, you know, I kind of had a lot of those things happen. Thank God I never killed anyone. But I, I mean, I did wake up in jail and I, and I woke up and I had the doctors tell me that I was going to have a stroke, you know, not maybe, but like maybe within an hour. Uh -huh. But those things just for whatever reason, they didn't they didn't mean enough for me to change. You know, the pain of changing was just not, was too big for me. I couldn't make that leap. So it's kind of like an accumulation of, of just getting beat down and stripped of all your, you know, dignity and, and pride, you know, day after day, year after year until one day I kind of woke up and it's actually the very first page in my book. I talk about that rock bottom morning and it was a morning just like a million other ones, but I felt myself giving up and like, I always had this image that I was going to figure this out one day, you know, and, and get, get healthy. And I stopped even entertaining that idea. I was just like, I'm just going to go away and die. And I didn't like that. And so I really felt like that day was going to be significant, whether it was the start of the end or the start of the beginning. And I chose to make it the start of the beginning. And did you, in that exact, even to that day, I mean, it sounds like you, you had some sort of mindset shift but i mean i mean i'm guessing you, you had moments like that before that yes. that just didn't last like did you did you take any particular action that very day or, or like what what made that time different you know man i wish i could answer that question and, and everyone who's experienced you know the the kind of miracle of recovery you know knows what i'm talking about it's a kind of hard thing to glean from the outside in because i did experience that exactly that thing every day you know mm -hmm. and i used to literally quit every single day i would wake up and i'd look in the mirror and by then i was vomiting blood routinely and i would just go what are you doing man you know this is it this is over this is over today no more and then all that resolve was gone by noon or one o'clock you know i'd be back at the bar or, or doing whatever and why that day was different i don't know man it was just a little sliver of clarity of of the reality of the situation it seemed real i knew i was gonna die and i had my twins i have twins they were three years old at the time and uh four years old at the time and i didn't want them to try to have to try to figure out why their dad drank himself to death so i just i've described it before as like kind of like being in a car and you're 
you're driving down the road and, and all of a sudden you realize, you know, you're not driving, you're actually in the passenger seat and you don't have any control over where the car is going. And that's kind of the addiction cycle. And that day that I found that I started my change, I just jumped out of the car without even thinking about what was going to happen. I had no idea what I was going to do, how it was going to work, but I knew I just couldn't live the way I was living anymore. Okay. And then how, how long from there was it until you, first of all, decided and then ultimately ran? Was it Leadville? Was that your first, the first hundred miler you did? Leadville was the first hundred. Well, Leadville was the first hundred miler I finished. I I actually had kind of got the idea of ultra, you know, like a lot of people, I read Dean Carnassus's book and mm-hmm. I just finished my first marathon and my wife told me that she read about a guy who did 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days. And I was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you read that wrong. There's no possible way. <laughs> That's what I said the first time I heard about people running hundred miles. I, I thought it was just like, I heard the wrong thing. Yeah. So I read that and uh, that kind of planted the seed. And then I found out about Leadville being kind of right in my backyard. And that was right around the time where I got injured and I had to deal with my my the prospect, honestly, of never running again and being told that I probably shouldn't run was really what motivated me to try to run 100 miles Uh to really take it seriously. I was like, you know, you know, it's that kind of thing, you know, like, don't tell me what I can't do, you know, right. and, right. and I'm going to, I'm going to dedicate myself to the rehab and the core work and the, all that kind of stuff. And I, uh, my rehab went a little slower than I wanted from the surgery. So I tried to do the Boulder 100 first. I was like, I'm going to try like an easy hundred miler, which is funny to me now because right. <laughs> there's no such thing as an easy hundred miler. But, um, and it didn't go too well, you know. I, I flamed out and uh, didn't finish, and uh, and then uh, decided to give Leadville a try the next year, and and was lucky enough to get it get it done. And how long was it from from your your turning point day until that first marathon that you mentioned? First marathon was about eighteen months. Okay. So I ran the Denver Marathon, the inaugural year of it, in two thousand six. So you got started pretty after you made that decision that that you were going to take charge this time i mean you you got started with running pretty soon after that right yeah sounds- i jumped i jumped right in and even though i couldn't do much i was going every day and i would run 15 seconds and then walk a minute and then run 15 seconds and and i've logged every workout since that very first day to today and huh. I, i've just and it's funny because i can go back and look at it and i'm so glad i did that because I would have never remembered how hard it was back then. You know what I mean? I was like, well, certainly I could have run a couple miles when I first started. Right. But no, not even close. So what, what did you do in those first, I don't know, two months? Like like just to go from – because I, so few people get past there. Like you mentioned that – I mean I know everyone has, has the moment where they say they're going to change. And then, and then like you said, by noon or just later that day, you're not changing. What, it doesn't have to be a serious addiction. It could just be an eating thing or, or whatever. Yeah. But – to make it even one month or two months or three months into something like that, I think so many people drop off during that period. So like when you look back at those workouts, can you point to something and say like this is this is why it worked and like was, techniques or was it just more that like you that this willpower was there that, that had never been there before? There were techniques, specific techniques. And, and in my book, I actually really try to in depth go through the mental process of that. But the main thing that was different – was commitment. I drew a line in the sand and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do moving forward, but I'm not going back. And it's kind of like, I love that ultra running has, is so analogous 
to the recovery process, the weight loss process, or any big change you'd make in your life. Because before, you know, you know that if you don't commit to running 100 miles, you're toast. Sure. You can't commit along the way. And once you're committed, you figure it out. And you just, because there's no other option. And it was like that. It was, I was committed. That was it. There was no turning back, burn the bridges behind you, all that kind of stuff. So moving forward from there, I had to battle through the low points because there are. There are times where you want to talk yourself out of it and you're like, this is just hard and why am I doing it? And my commitment was that it was okay to have those thoughts. You know, those are very human thoughts, but it was no longer okay for me to entertain them and feed them energy and, and, and let them grow. So when something came up that was going to try to, you know, unwind what I was doing, I did something else. I took an action that supported the new way I wanted to go. I'd go run or I'd go get online and read something about running or, you know, do anything I could do to be motivated, watch a movie about running. And just, it was that total commitment to only engage in positive reinforcement things. Yeah. So, so you touched on this a little bit, but there seems to be this big connection between, um, or I guess correlation between addiction and ultra running. There's a lot of, of successful ultra runners who, who are former addicts or had some sort of addictive behavior. What do you think that connection is? Why do you think that um, those two work so well together? Well, you know, the flippant answer that I always give is that, you know, addicts make great ultra runners because we know the voices in our heads can't be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> and there's actually a lot of truth to yeah, that, right? I mean, that voice comes in and it's like, you didn't train enough. This isn't your day. You know, what are you doing this for? And I'm like, you know, screw you. I know that <laughs> voice. <laughs> you kept me so screwed up for so long. But, <laughs> you know, there is a, something deeper too. And I think for me, it's, you know, like we were talking about earlier where there's that one day where the miracle happens and it's a day like any other day, but somehow you had this super amount of strength that wasn't there on, on all those other days. And for me, running, putting, pushing myself to that extreme, to the place where, you know, I want to stop, I want to quit. My voices are telling me that I can't do it, that it's too much. And I keep moving forward. I keep finding a way to move forward and eventually find that finish line. That's like an affirmation to me that, that I still have touch that I can I'm still in touch with that that deep strong part of me that I needed for recovery that I needed to lose the weight and change my life so it's it's very life affirming to me hmm. when it seems like you've had some real success with ultras when did you start realizing that you know this wasn't just a hobby or it wasn't you know something that you would only do once but something that you could actually be be good at you know I I finished the the Leadville 100 and to me that was like that was going to be the first thing that I didn't dismiss, you know, like I'd done a marathon and I kind of dismissed it and I did a half Ironman. I kind of dismissed that. And I was like, the, the hundred mile thing was so daunting that I knew if I finished it, that that would be like in my mind for whatever reason, that was, that was like legit. <laughs> and yeah. that's not to take away from anyone who's done a marathon or anything. It's just the, the mind job I was doing on myself. And so I did it and it was great. And I kind of held true to that. I never did dismiss that. But afterwards, you know, I, I got to thinking about it and I thought, you know, how impossible that task seemed to me and, you know, that I had all these limits in my life previously and they turned out to be all bullshit. And I was like, well, maybe that I'm a, a back of the packer or a mid packer, maybe that identity was kind of bullshit too. And maybe that was just something else that I had fed myself. 
So I was like, you know, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do Leadville and I'm going to hang it all out there. I'm going to, you know, try to go for that big buckle. And I'm not only going to try, I'm going to tell everyone what I'm doing. <laughs> and so I wanted to do it in sub 24. And I went out there and just ran until my legs felt like they were going to fall off. And, and I did it in 2346 or something like that. And then that set the standard. Then the very next race, I went back to Boulder for the uh, the 12 hours of Boulder where I, where I failed at the Boulder 100. And I told my friend at the time, I was like, all right, here it goes. I'm either going to win or I'm going to show you the most miraculous blow-up you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and I won. And, <laughs> and that just kind of – and since then, I've, I, I have experienced that miraculous blow-up. <laughs> 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 so I'm still trying to figure it out, man. I mean, obviously, I'm not uh, – I'm better than I used to be. That's about all I can say. You know, I'm, I'm – I'm never going to line up, you know, at least right now against, you know, Charmin and those big guys and, and compete, but I'm just trying to get better each time, you know? Hmm. Yeah. So that's neat. I mean, it, it sounds, I, I just, with the, that with every race, you kind of strengthen, uh, what, what you're building and that you're further and further removed from ever going back to that, to that low point. Do you, I know a common thing among alcoholics is, is this idea that, that I don't even know the wording of it, but that basically that any day, um, I think that you're always in recovery. That that at any any moment you might have another drink, and when you do, then then you're you could be done for. Like that could be it. Do you feel like that's something that's always in in your mind? Like I've I've got to be uh, just on the lookout today and just vigilant. Like realize where I came from and that I could easily get back there. Or does it feel like with every every new race you do and every new endeavor you take on that it's kind of like you're just getting so much further from that old version of yourself that that's a part of your past. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that it's a process, right? I mean, I, it's kind of a cliche, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's no standing still on a mountain. You know, you're either climbing or sliding, and that's certainly the way recovery is. And it is a process. I know that it's I'm coming up on 10 years, and there's this insane part of me <laughs> that thinks, wow, I'm kind of cured now, and I'd be okay if I ever wanted to just go have a beer or do something, but I know the insanity of that. I know that if I did that, if I ever opened that door, I'd be right back where I had started. And mm. it's a hard concept to grasp because especially if you're a, you know, a whatever, an A type or a, you know, a person that's, you know, used to living and dying in that world of pushing yourself and being strong mentally and, and stuff like that. That's a hard concept to wrap your head around, but I know it's true. And I know I can go all the way back to those first days of recovery and, and know that, if there would, was a way for me to figure out how to moderate, I would have figured it out back then, you know. And so running for me is is a vehicle for self-discovery. And so my running, I always say that my running has to resemble my recovery and not my addiction. And so it can never be that, you know, compulsive, you know, I have to do this and I have to run and I'm injured and I'm broken and I'm still going to run. It can never get that way for me because – you know, that would, that would be an unhealthy activity for me. So I, I try to make it, um, you know, part of my whole journey, but my recovery is, is kind of separate in another way too. I, I always have to be doing the spiritual work and, and trying to um, become a better human being and a more honest human being and, and a better father. And, and all of those things have to keep moving forward too. It can't just be about running for me. Right. Okay. So Last question I want to ask you, um, again, in your bio, it talks about that you now spend a lot of time just sharing this story and, and that a lot of the purpose of that is to 
get people to see that, to quote it exactly, that we can all change everything about ourselves if we want it badly enough. Yes. Do you think is that the core of all this? Is it is it that someone who who's in that position you are in those days when when you woke up and said I'm going to change, but then you ended up not changing that day and again and again and again? Is that primarily what it was that you didn't want it badly enough, or is there another shift you think that that someone else who's listening to this or, or probably hopefully not listening to this, but uh, <laughs> you know that that I don't know that, that is there something else that they need to change, or is it just you need to want it more? You know, it's 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 a part. It's not the only part, but it, but it is a big part. And and I think that people fail not because they're not strong or not because, you know, they don't want to change. It's because it seems impossible. And that belief, that's where that wanting it has to really come from, is that you don't have to see how you're going to get where you're going. If you want it bad enough and if you commit, you can find the way. And I think we get so hung up on just not, you know, I I guess I always say, let me back up a second, is that when the pain of staying where you are is greater than the pain of moving forward, no matter what that looks like, that's when we change. And that becomes that place where it doesn't even matter what the future is. I want the future more than I want to stay where I am. So it is really important for that person who's listening, who's struggling to, it's okay to become aware of how bad your life is now. You know, I think we try to do the opposite sometimes. You know, we try to go, oh, it's not so bad. Sure. You know, it could be worse. It's okay to look and go, hey, my life's kind of screwed up right now and it isn't getting any better because that's where that that leverage comes from change. And, And that's one of the things, the reason why, you know, I wrote the book for me primarily. I wanted to get that all out of me and and get it you know, just an honest telling of everything I went through. But as I wrote it and as it evolved, I realized that I was trying to create a blueprint, you know, for change. And it might not be the the blueprint that works for everybody, but I can at least say what I went through, exactly what it looked like in hopes that it touches someone else and helps them find their way out. And that's been the most rewarding thing that I've ever experienced in my entire life. The outreach that's come back to me has been just a blessing beyond belief. All right. Well, thank you very much, David. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us here and share your story. The book is out there, A Story of Ultra Recovery. Uh, and I guess to clarify, the book is called Out There, A Story of Ultra Recovery, but it's also out there. Um, <laughs> it's out there on Amazon, right? That's the place to get it? It is. Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Okay. So we'll put a we'll put a link to that there. But uh, again, it's David Clark and Out There. Um, yeah. So thank you very much, David. I appreciate it. This is always, I always like talking about these, these topics. Uh, I haven't personally been through an addiction type situation like this, but I'm tremendously inspired by these. And uh, I hope, I hope people like me or people who are, who are kind of closer to exactly what you're describing, uh, can, can take these lessons to heart and, uh, and make some changes. Thanks, man. I mean, yeah, I think the last thought I'll leave you with is, you know, not everyone's going to need to lose 160 pounds or or beat addiction, but we all want to change and we all want to be a better version of ourselves. So thanks for having me on, man. It was awesome. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. All right, man.